Hello, I'm DJ Bigman, and I'm here with Doug Pinnock of King's X. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, well, if you don't mind, I think we should just jump right into the questions. I have a yeah down here for you. Um, for starters, this new album, Three Sides of One, seems to be the most balanced between all three members in terms of who's singing and bringing what songs to the table. Was that intentional, or did it just kind of end up that way? Um, I think it's both. I mean, everybody writes songs, and... Um... When we got together to make this record, everybody brought their songs in and uh, we just kept playing each other's songs and saying, OK, let's do that one. Let's do that one. And it just kind of it just fell into place. There was nothing we rejected. We just had to stop listening to each other's songs because we had enough. Right. And in that same in that same vein, um, it's been 14 years since your last album. Were you writing songs in between or did you just uh, get together to write? Uh, no, I w I've been writing. All of us have been writing for the last 14 years. We never stop writing. And uh, we have side projects and we do solo records and all kinds of stuff. So we've been pumping music out uh, every year. I I had a side project called KXM with George Lynch and Ray Luzier from Corn, uh, And uh, we put three records out and a band called PGP, which was Eric Gales and Thomas Pridgen, who played with Mars Volta, we put two records out, and I put two solo records out. And Ty, I think, did a couple solo records and a side project with some friends. And Jerry put a solo record out. We just didn't want to do a record together because we didn't feel inspired. Right. Um, and what brought on this this new inspiration for this new no, we felt we felt inspired. <laughs> we, uh, you know, um, got together and I said, hey, man, we got, I got some new songs. Want to hear them? And because we just kind of didn't want to make a record for a long time because we just didn't feel it. You know, we just after a while you go, well, we don't want to phone a record in. So let's just wait till we're ready. And in the meantime, we just kind of went and did our thing. Um, I popped up and said, hey, I got a couple songs. Want to hear them? And they all said, yeah. And they liked them. And then they said, I got some songs too. And then we all kind of started talking about it. Next thing you know, we're making a record finally. Um, I've always wanted to make a record for the last 14 years, but they didn't. I'm kind of clueless sometimes to how things are. <laughs> well, it also seems like uh, Ty's guitar tone sounded a lot like that classic sound from the first four records. Was he using the same equipment or did you like do digitally alter it to sound that way? You have to ask him about it, but but the whole record was uh, analog, uh, except for Pro Tools. There's no tubes anywhere. I mean, there's no digits anywhere, but for uh, Pro Tools, even mastering was done with uh, tape saturation and tube preamps and tube tube EQing. But um, when they make when when Michael, the producer, he takes like eight or nine amps and he stands them all next to each other and puts mics on all the cabinets. Um, and Ty did use his lab series and he did bring his uh, signature uh, um, Stratocaster in that he used on the first two records. And I, I remember like on uh, Watcher, that's total typical Ty Tabertone. You know, I didn't think the rest of the record sounded that close to it. I think on the record for me, it seemed like he had a wide variety of tones, but he did make sure he got his signature tone in there, which is what everybody wanted. Yeah, absolutely. So the flood is called part one. Is there any mm -hmm. other song that you kind of consider part two? Or there that... is a part two. 
Yeah, I wrote, when I wrote that song, it was uh, like 10 minutes long. And when I listened to it back, it had so many different, it just had six parts instead of three as it does. And there was just, it was so drastic. I thought, man, this is just too much. So I took half of the parts and made a whole nother song out of it. And then I called it part one and part two, just because it was inconvenient, it was uh, convenience. And I'll still keep it, I'll still call it flood part two, even though lyrically it probably won't be about a flood. <laughs> and um, can we expect any more albums soon? Or do you, do you think you might be um, through with releasing records as King? No, there's never, we'll never be through till we can't. And um, I mean, we took a long time this time to put this record out, but uh this was exciting. We had fun and the response was great. And we still got a whole another album's worth of music coming in. We're still writing. So I think maybe we'll, there'll be another one in another two or three, as long as we're alive. You know, we're getting pretty old, but we'll keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely respect that, going as long as you can. Thanks. And um, what do you think we can expect from future releases? More of this? More different styles? You never know. King's X is out. Every record's always been different. You never know till it comes out. We never know till it's done and sequenced. And then we listen to it and go, okay, now I get it. Because there's just no way. We don't think about that stuff much. Right. What do you think is the main takeaway you want fans to have from the album? Um, I just want them to take away what they always take away from King's X, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't mean to sound evasive or nothing, but I have I have no expectations. They because through the years and as many songs as we've written and how and many albums we've put out, people people's reactions have been from every side of the scale to the other. And we know for a fact that you don't you can't second guess. You don't know what people want. You just got to be yourself because that's what they want. They want you to be you. And I think King's X fans want that even more than ever. They don't want any both. They just, just be yourself. Give us what you got, who you are at the moment. And uh, for some reason, a lot of people feel that they're feeling the same way we're feeling, whatever that feeling is. You know, that's, that's, what, that's the great thing about making music. You know, it changes people's lives. And even though the song might not mean anything, you know, or it might mean everything and nobody could care less. You know, you just never know. You just keep writing songs. Right. So you just put them out and hope people kind of connect with it their own way. Um, I keep we keep putting them out and curiosity is what do you think? <laughs> That's what for me is this curiosity. You don't like this one. You don't like this one. You don't like that one. Why? You don't like this one. Oh, OK, cool. You know, and it's just a conversation of songwriting. It's it's fun. Right. Um, well, this album seems to have a much more religious tone. Is there any reason why you dipped into that more, just for a theme? or? You know, I like to put religious imagery in things. You know, whatever I say, you just got to take it for face value, you know. Um, you know, uh, on the first song, you know, uh, calling all saviors, I'm shouting out at God, you know calling all saviors. There's a lot of them. They've come and they've gone. Then I thought about, so let it rain. Basically, you know, rain washes things clean. And, and one of the biggest problems I see in the world is, is we play on each other's fear to get what we want from them. And, and it seems like everybody's scared. You turn on the news and it's afraid of somebody. They're, they're afraid of someone. They're, somebody's going to take my guns away. Somebody's going to change my kid to gay. Somebody's going to do this. Everybody's afraid. 
And so I'm saying, let it rain and wash away the fear. And, you know, and uh, anything other than that, take it, take it or leave it, you know. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of bands doing this and I kind of wanted to ask, what made you decide to release some songs on the album early as, as singles before the release? Oh, that's just business. Everybody does that. It's just business. It's like keep everybody interested. You know, I mean, do like Beyonce, you know, don't tell anybody anything. And one day you wake up at midnight and you say, this is a whole album and, you know, 30 million people download it. We ain't that big. And most bands aren't that big. So you kind of let your people know what's happening. This is what's coming. And, you know, I remember Mashuga. I sat and waited patiently for every one of those videos before the record came out, you know. And I just would sit there, the loop, that one groove that they had, it was just a little loop. And I played it over and over again. I can't wait till this record comes out. Mm -hmm. So I guess it has its point, you know. I can only look at music the way I see it, you know. And on the other hand, too, when you put singles out before the record comes out, then when I buy the record, it's kind of weird because I don't want to play those songs I already heard. But then I miss out on the sequencing and the whole message. So I, I think it has its good points and its bad points. But basically, it's all business. Mm -hmm. And um, how much thought do you think goes into the sequence? Because my family has always like had me listening to your music since I was oh. I was raised on your music. And so, awesome. Um, me and my dad were listening to the album, and he was saying that um, a lot of the singles you released sounded like he appreciated them much more in the sequence that they were in the album. So what um, went into putting that sequence together? I never have anything to do with sequencing because I'm terrible at it. There is a science behind it. It's, it's tempo, it's pitch, it's key, it's speed. Well, I said tempo, uh, length. Um, just, I mean, you take every emotional side of listening to music and mathematically map a song list up that you think will keep the person's attention. I am no good at that. <laughs> and Michael Parnon did it. He said he's a master at it. He's a, he, he's a, he produced our record. And we said, go for it. I know the girl that uh, um, um, sequences the Grammy records, you know, when they put the bands together. And we had a long talk about it. And she explained that to me, how important it is, that there is a mathematical thing behind it. Um, and so we, I just trust him because I, I don't know. I listen to, I've, I've played the record and I'm just going, this is all wrong. You know, and like every, everywhere should be like in the middle, and, you know, swipe up should be at the first song to knock everybody out, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, but that's, that's because I'm married to those songs and I can't see it, see it for what it, what it is. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, let him do it, put it out there, and they'll deal with it. <laughs> they'll tell me. And so far, everybody says the sequencing is perfect. And I'm going, well, all right. What, what, what can I say? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the flood part one seems to have this, like, feeling of lost hope. Can you speak to what brings that about specifically? Or? Oh, yeah, it is. It's, that's what we are. We're lost hope. You know, it's like, look around. We're lost, but there's still hope. <laughs> and it's, you know, no beginning without an ending. You gotta, you gotta end something to start something new. You gotta, things keep changing, things keep moving, you know, and, and um, you know, it's just a metaphor. All we need is a flood, basically a reset, you know? Mm -hmm. 
so what's the story behind Take the Time? It kind of feels like a more personal song. Jerry wrote that song. You would really have to ask him. Um, it made me cry when I heard it. Uh, but I really don't know what he's really singing about because he his when he writes a song, it's like again you don't know what he's talking about. He'll have to explain it to you. He doesn't like to really explain things to you, mm-hmm. so I guess you could just take it as it is. You know, um, I think it's a deep song and it's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely, I would one hundred percent agree on that. Um, is festival about a specific event or? What what is the yeah Ty wrote that song too or Ty wrote that song and uh again I hate to be that guy but you gotta ask him about it the guy Jerry and Ty are really real sticklers about not interpreting their music if if I do interviews I don't talk about their stuff unless unless musically or something I like about it you know I'll explain that but to 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 speak for them. Uh, they really kind of get upset. <laughs> right. You don't speak for me. You know, well, Jerry, well, you don't, don't you speak for me. I mean, I've been reprimanded. See, there's a couple things in our band that we, we, uh, we know we're not to go to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, who can speak for you but yourself, you know? Absolutely, 100%. So what were you listening to when you were writing the album? And do you think it had any effect on the final product? Or No. Nah. Um, but I listened to a healthy dose of from Masuga to Coldplay, from Aretha Franklin to Dave Brubeck on any given day. Um, you know, I might even put on a Beach Boys record or a Mahalia Jackson gospel record, you know, so, um, when I sit down and write a song, it's for me personally, I make up a drum beat and then I sit there and think, what are you feeling here? You know, um, you want to dance? You want to plod down the street? You want to, you're feeling down? You're feeling up? How are you feeling? And I'll kind of program the drums to the way I feel at that moment and work a song up out of my head, you know, pick my guitar, pick my bass up and work something up. And after I, kind of get the song where I think it's a song and, and uh, then I kind of put it in a pile of songs with no lyrics and play them just right around the town whatever I'm doing I'll just stick five or six new songs in with no words and sooner or later some kind of melody comes in my head while I'm out there doing what I do and then I'll come home and put it down you know and uh, and that's how I usually do it everything has to come spontaneously spontaneously i can't i never have been able to sit down and just kind of say i'm going to do this i'm i'm completely uh, pushed by emotions if i don't feel it i ain't gonna do it you know and and it might be a week i won't write a song or you know but then i might get up go on a binge and write three songs in a day you know or at least music Mm -hmm. right well um that's about all i had is there anything (laughs) Uh, you wanted to say uh, <laughs> no it's awesome that you've been listening to king's exile your whole life so that's pretty cool 100 percent. and i wanted to thank you very much uh for giving me the opportunity to talk to you um you should talk to ty and jerry too because you had some good questions for him and uh, usually when we do interviews a lot of people want to talk to me because i'm the singer you know and uh it's always they request doug and ty and jerry don't do a lot i wish they would do more but they always go they always ask for doug 
And uh, so, yeah, I ask for Ty and Jerry sometimes because they got a lot to say. I would love to pick their brain on, on some of these songs. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You're though. welcome. Uh, I've been DJ Big Man here for WSOU 89.5 FM. This is DJ Big Man signing off.